0: Welcome to the show, my name is Andy Last, and you are listening to Beyond Sith. This is episode 48, I'm joined today by Moondragon, who's a pretty cool guy, and he's coming up in just a few minutes. Well, maybe a, a little more than just a few, but, uh, how are you guys doing? You having a good day? Did you enjoy the last episode where I caught up with Protector 101? That was a lot of fun. Uh, we're on Power 85! You know what that means. Power85.com. This is the part of the show where I tell you guys to listen to Power85 all the time. Power85.com. Playing 24 hours a day synth music and retro 80s goodness and all sorts of cool stuff. And you're going to really dig it twice a week. The 24-hour music station is interrupted for two fabulous shows. This is one of them. This is Beyond Synth. Which airs every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Power 85. And that's when you can hear the first broadcast of the show. There's a replay on Saturday, and no one listens to that. And then the shows go up on SoundCloud. So if you missed the live broadcast, you can always check out the show on SoundCloud. Let's listen to a song. Alright, I can I can tell you all about the show later. This is a track by a dude called Data Stream. Or Data Stream. I'm going to say data stream. Data is a funny word because it's not like when people get all upset when Canadians say Mario instead of Mario. Because you can kind of say data or data depending on the situation and it never really sounds wrong. But the only time it does sound weird or incorrect is if a robot is speaking. Because robots have to say data. And I know this because as a fan of Doctor Who, there's this old episode called Robot from the 70s, Tom Baker's first episode, and there's a robot in it, um, as per the title, and at one point, they ask him a question, and he says, insufficient data, and it just sounds weird, it's like, you know, robots have to say, insufficient data, that's what they have to say, according to me. Anyways, I don't know why I'm saying this, so we're going to listen to Data Stream, and this is a track called Downtime, off Stored Energies Technology, Volume 3. data stream with the track downtime off the stored energies technology volume three album so you can check that out Um, as always i post all the links to the artists on the soundcloud page so if you check the more info button when you're listening on soundcloud you'll see a big list of artist links so you can check out their stuff and support them that's sort of the idea so please go and support data stream As I said, Beyond Synth is on every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern and replay Saturdays at 1 p.m. That's on Power85.com. If you want to, you can follow Power85 on Twitter. It's at Power85Radio. And you'll get all sorts of updates on what tracks they're playing and stuff like that. It's pretty cool. But more importantly, you should check out at Project Friday FM on Twitter, and that's the flagship program on Power 85. That's every Friday night, and it's hosted by Steve. And he plays lots of cool music, lots of new tracks. He's got a great playlist always building on there you know this show beyond synth is an interview show where there's a lot of talking and, and music and stuff where steve is just full-on music program with a small amount of banter in between so you uh you shall dig that show you shall dig you shall dig that show what anyway project friday that's friday nights this show is thursday nights now i know i know i know it's getting pretty complicated but the bottom line is i'm andy last and i host this show And you should follow me on Twitter. I'm at Andy Last. I don't really do too much tweeting other than just stuff to promote the show. And uh, I also retweet some cool artists that I dig and stuff like that. But it's not one of those like obnoxious Twitters where like every two seconds you're getting a tweet, you know. Except when I air the show. (laughs) And then I do like to call out all the artists I'm playing on the show uh, during the live broadcast. But that's the only time, man. It's all good. I'm at Andy Last. That's the official Twitter for Beyond Synth. So if you like Twitter and you like this show, then please uh, do that and follow me. And also, um, please like the Facebook page. That's uh, facebook.com slash beyond.synth.podcast. Every single like on that Facebook page makes me feel great. And we just passed a milestone. I didn't even make an animated GIF but uh, we just uh, recently went over the, uh, the 1,500 likes mark. Ooh, that's a big deal for me. It makes me feel great. And it's it's growing, actually. There's a, f- a few new every day, so I'm happy about that. So it's at 1,500, so that uh, makes me feel good. And also show some love to the SoundCloud page, soundcloud.com slash beyondsynth. So that's where all the episodes get posted, all right? Please, uh, you know, subscribe on SoundCloud. I'm always uh, updating that and uh, creating new playlists and stuff for the show and things. It's all terribly, terribly exciting. Fuck, what am I? <laughs> it's like the first like fucking two hours of every show is always me saying the same shit about the Twitter. Let's listen to another song, all right? Because that's what this is really about. Hey, eh? we want the music. This is Kyle Reese revenge with the track "Forgotten Feelings." Kyle Reese Revenge from the Out in the Heat of the Night album with the track Forgotten Feelings. So that's a cool song. Kyle Reese Revenge. Kyle Reese. That big muscular guy from the film Terminator (laughs) (laughs) Genesis. No, of course, they're referring to uh, Michael Beans. Kyle Reese from the good Terminator films. Anyway, what was I saying before? All right, you know what? Show some love to the SoundCloud page. And uh, if, you're, if you're enjoying the show, leave comments and stuff. It's always fun to see people uh, uh, leaving comments, and uh, I like responding to those, and all those things. Also, if you have any questions or comments, don't forget to write them in and title the messages Mail Sack." Alright, so you can send me comments to the Facebook page, to the uh, Twitter, you can direct message me questions, Uh, The SoundCloud, you can message me there too, and uh, if you have any questions or comments, and just title the message Mail Sack. And you know what? We still don't have a theme song for Mail Sack, but I gotta start reading these damn things because I don't ever, (laughs) I keep saying people send them in and I never read them. So, today I will read from the Mail Sack, and this is a Mail Sack question from Nathan Winter, last year because <laughs> I'm prompt I'm a prompt guy says uh, what are some of your favorite arcade games from the 80s and 90s besides the Mortal Kombat series and that is a very good question Nathan Winter I'm going to be honest with you and this is going to sound sort of like sacrilege but I never really liked the arcade I liked arcade games like I like the idea of video games and playing them and stuff but I never liked the atmosphere of the arcade. There's always kind of weird, kind of sleazy people in there, I always felt. <laughs> I also never had any money. But um, besides Mortal Kombat, it's tricky because Mortal Kombat 2, like, was my favorite arcade game. And that's really pretty much whenever I would go into any arcade, I would just make a beeline for that arcade machine. But I also really enjoyed the Terminator 2 arcade with the guns. Um, I enjoyed that one, when you had the two sort of, like, Uzis and and you were shooting at Terminators in the Future War. I think the thing was, anytime there was a game with a sort of experience that you could get at home, I wasn't really that interested to play in the arcade. So, you know, obviously when I was young, in the early 80s and stuff, like, Mario Brothers would be in the arcade and things like that, but I never really had the interest, because it's like, well, you can play that on the, you know, at home. But really... It sort of pains me to give you such a lame answer, but Mortal Kombat 2 is the <laughs> is my favorite arcade machine. So it's tricky because I just that's the one I always wanted to play. And whereas I did try out, you know, other fighting games in the arcade, I just never cared. Like, I just I just really enjoyed Mortal Kombat. And it was always about getting a, sort of a different experience. So I always liked the sound of Mortal Kombat. Like in the arcade, it just sounded so much crisper than the, you know, like the home versions. You know, car games, like the driving games where you actually sit in a car, I've always found fun. But then they always cost more to play. So it would always be on a very rare occasion I would, like, play one of those and just crash very quickly and the game would be over. But, uh, yeah, unfortunately, besides Mortal Kombat, I don't really have that many favorite arcade games. Oh, fuck me! What am I talking about? Alien vs. Predator! Jesus, what am I... <laughs> okay, uh, yeah, I can't believe I forgot about brawling games. Those are my favorite type of ga- <laughs> <laughs> Alright, listen, it's very early right now. I just heated myself up some pizza pockets or pizza pops, I can't remember which, and sometimes my brain just fucking goes. I mean, if you listen to last week's episode with Protector 101, you'll hear, like, we, we talk like a bunch of old men who are just fucking losing it, and that was mostly about physical pain, <laughs> and today it's mental, because my brain is going away. Okay, fucking Alien versus Predator, Simpsons, the four-player one. NARC, you remember the game NARC, where it was sort of like your dudes, and the, you also can, like, jump in a car? That was a good one final fight yeah i would say i would say that if it's not mortal kombat 2 then alien versus predator and um terminator 2 with the gun all right thanks nathan for your mail sack question so if if all of you mail in uh, have some questions i will read it as promptly as i read nathan's fucking 10 months after (laughs) he sent it (laughs) Eh, stupid Alright, let's listen to a song. This is a track by Meteor, and it's called The Aftermath, from the Manhattan 2019 album. was Meteor with the track The Aftermath from the Manhattan 2019 album. I'm about to take a bite from these pizza pockets I warmed up. Hmm. I know it's bad form to eat, but I'm hungry. I have a question for anyone listening. Maybe you can help me out. How do you guys organize your synthwave playlists? Because part of the problem I have on the show is that a lot of people send me like their albums and tracks, and I was, you know, up till last year just dumping it all into one playlist called synthwave which now has like some ridiculous like 200 hours of music or something and i feel like some stuff people were sending me was just falling through the cracks because i just had this giant playlist so this year i decided to create a synthwave 2016 playlist so hopefully that from now on when people send me music i'll be able to play it sooner because i won't be as confused by this nonsense playlist that i've created but how do you guys do it man do you do you sorted by these are these are cinematic tracks and these are fast paced like i don't know maybe there's some way uh, people can let me know what they do to help me out in the way that i uh, organize my music um as i said i got moon dragon coming up in just a few minutes he's a good guy and we have a fun chat um if you want to hear your tracks on the show send them to me man same way i just told you to send me mail sack questions you can send me your tracks All right, send me uh, to the Facebook page, to the Twitter, to the SoundCloud. You can just send me a private message, say, Hey, Andy, uh, I think your show is fucking shit. Um, Here's some songs. And I'll be like, fuck you, but I'll gladly play them if they're good, because that's always a good idea. I don't know if you guys heard about this. I posted the link on my Facebook because it really made me laugh. So Fruity Loops, a uh, digital audio workstation that a lot of people use, Uh, working on Synthwave, electronic music, and stuff like that. As we all know, it's called Fruity Loops, uh, very similar to the cereal Fruit Loops. And I just went the other day to the Fruity Loops website, and I saw this... Notice posted, which says, Due to a trademark settlement between ImageLine, BVBA, and Kellogg Company, the domain names www.fruityloops.com, fruityloops.org, and fruityloops.net are no longer valid. So it's finally happened. The cereal company has finally cracked down to prevent any customer confusion. And now, there will be no more confusion. Between the Digital Audio Workstation Fruity Loops and the cereal Fruit Loops. Because I can't tell you how many times that I made that mistake. When I went to go make a song on Fruit Loops. And I'm sitting there and I'm just staring at a bowl full of milk with a bunch of colored circles. And I'm like, uh, where's the arpeggiator? You know what I mean? I just couldn't do it. And it's crazy and I just couldn't figure out the difference. And the other day... I'm like, oh, fuck, I can't wait to eat some cereal. And I shove my fucking spoon through my monitor. Anyways, now that stuff's no longer going to happen. So I'm really happy about that. Because that confusion was getting pretty, pretty... But I got nothing. All right, guys, listen. Speaking of listening, let's listen to a song. And this is a track by Spray. And I want to make sure I get this correct. So Spray is a side project of Ricardo Autobahn... Or unless Spray is the main thing and the side project is Ricardo Autobahn. Anyways, so that guy, Ricardo Autobahn, has another project called Spray, which is a duo with him and a female vocalist. And this track is Spray featuring Kid Casio. So if that... (laughs) (laughs) So I I probably just made it more confusing than it actually is. But uh, here is Spray and Kid Casio with the track It's Not Enough. was Spray featuring Kid Cassio with It's Not Enough. And I dig that song. Nice, uh, nice happy energy. You know, lift things up. Gotta lift things up. I got Moondragon coming up in just a sec. You know what? Let's just go to my conversation with Moondragon. And, uh, when I'm done talking to him, maybe I'll wrap up, play a few more songs, and we'll have a fun time. So here is my conversation with Moon Moondragon. I am here with Moondragon aka Troy Simpson. How's it going?
1: It's going good man. You having a good day? Yeah great day. I'm in the office. uh, Not too many people here because for some reason we have to work the next three days even though nobody's gonna be in office. And you're in uh, Florida? Yep Orlando. Orlando, Florida. So what's the weather like for you right now? Uh, It's about 70, 70 and sunny or so. Yeah. Oh, now, now I got to do some conversion. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know. You, I'm a fucking or...
2: Canadian, man. I, got... <laughs> I don't
1: know. It's always zero with you guys. I don't know. It's somewhere around there, maybe. Yeah. Zero's nice, right? <laughs> it is, it is.
0: It's, it's always zero.
1: Yeah. I it's actually know. a little
0: warmer today. Uh, it, 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 snow- it rained and then melted all the snow. Ah. So it's going to be a green Christmas. How about that? Ah. I'm just having some... Um, some eggnog with some rum in it so we're gonna see how this plays out it's one o'clock yeah get that <laughs> get that going well i've already I, as we said before we started recording i've been doing interviews all day and so maybe there'll be like a narrative where i i get progressively drunker
1: let's do this for about four hours and you drink constantly <laughs> i wouldn't make and it a, and then a, turn it into a 30 second kind of cut <laughs> and see <laughs> see what happens <laughs> So what uh, what do you do then exactly? You're at the office. Right now I've got like this little uh, sound booth room. It's also our motion capture room. I work for uh, It's the defense industry, but we use uh, video game tech like uh, Unreal Engine and CryEngine and stuff like that to make things for the government. So I kind of really lucked into this position doing sound. And, uh, Orlando, like not too many people know, but Orlando is like the defense contractor hub of the U.S., like all, a lot of them, like Lockheed Martin and Boeing and all those places have offices here.
0: But what's a, what does that mean exactly? Like, sound design for the defense industry? I don't know what that means.
1: Yeah, it's really weird, and kind of with this, because I'm the only one, I kind of do a lot of stuff, so I do a lot of dialogue recording and things. But so, we, well, like, if you're in the military, you have flight simulators or gun trainers or things like that. Like, there's slowly been a transition. Instead of having these big, like, 1980s war games kind of Machines that do the simulation like they're starting to use real-world kind of tech like PCs and video game designers and things to make uh, interactive simulations So with that they need sound like so put into the environment sound so I'll do environment sounds I'll do like helicopters jets stuff like that recordings We also do a lot of videos for like business development proposals to Whatever it may be the Marines Navy International stuff, yeah.
0: So the the place that you work, does it work specifically with a company or are you like a contracted company that people come uh, to? No, like a-
1: the place I work is called Cubic. Uh, they're uh, And they're like a worldwide publicly traded company. But we're a small division that's called... Uh, Cals, which is uh, advanced learning solutions, or something, some acronym like that. <laughs> so, uh, I was hoping when you said do sound
0: design for the defense that like they would be mounting speakers on top of jets and making them make funny
1: noises. Yeah, we use just like in uh, the Hulk, we just project sound at enemies. No, no, <laughs> nothing that cool. It's more, it's more mundane than that. It's a lot of like really long scripts and things like that. But sometimes there's cool stuff like field recording jets uh might be going to a military base next month to record some trainings and stuff so it's kind of weird
0: and it's a whole uh studio like you do like a video and stuff in there as well
1: yeah yeah like we have two teams we have the the team of people who do the normal like uh finish up the contracts and create the products and then we also have like a business development team which is i'm on both of those i kind of support whatever they need so I'll, i'll write music like cheesy corporate uh, generic like music and things like but it's it's pretty cool to have a day job where I get to do that kind of stuff on top of it so that's why the Moondragon stuff is the stuff I like to do it's fun and then the, my day job is doing a little bit more mundane kind of sound.
0: So did that happen because that, the moon dragon aesthetic is all about uh, like jets and planes and things like was that just just happened? like
1: it's like a sum of all parts like so it's a weird thing. I grew up in a town called Pensacola, Florida, and it's actually where the uh, blue angels. That, that, that stunt team for the Navy of jets like are stationed in my hometown and my dad was a park ranger for the National Park Service on a Civil War fort that is on the air base so as a kid I'd go out there all the time and watch him practice and watch like other jets fly and stuff so I've always loved jets I always like love playing with micro machines and everything and like that's what i joke with people that moon dragon's really just the soundtrack to like my micro machine and gi joe battles <laughs> that like i had as a kid and like once other people started making music and because I, I always liked doing that kind of stuff but then like once i heard laser hawk and some other guys i was like oh man like they were so good that i almost didn't even want to bother but then i had some buddies that i worked with kind of i made some demos and they were like dude you should definitely do it So I started doing it like earlier this year, and I'd like some of them were old ideas, but kind of made it. But that was the thing. Like as a kid, I always wanted to be a pilot, and then like that kind of fizzled out. But it was funny to like so really interested in sound and music and things, and really interested in like military side of things. Like it was a nice mesh for me to fall into.
0: Well, let's listen to a track here, man. Let's listen to uh, here's a track from Man and Machine. All right. Called Man and Machine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and uh, and we'll be uh, we'll talk
1: about it. Uh, we'll talk about it after. Sounds good.
0: and that was man and machine by moon dragon and i am uh, i'm back with moon dragon here uh, so so talk to me about that song
1: you know that was probably one of the first demos i did and i like it was really kind of like i didn't really know how to go with the project cuz i really like the 80s aesthetic of the music and it's kind of funny how the art for all the artists that are kind of do this the art kind of kind of drives what you visualize mm-hmm. when you're listening to it so like i knew of some that i really liked and that i really liked the the sci-fi stuff i really like uh, the the beach scene uh lounge kind of stuff but i like i was trying to find kind of what what would set me apart because a lot of the times you know especially without any vocals or anything what what could you do and uh my desktop backgrounds and things were always like jets and things at the office and they're talking with some friends they're like dude you should totally uh do a Jets theme kind of like Top Gun style and I was like you know what that's a great idea and then so we started my buddy's a graphic designer who I kind of told him what the project was and he found I sent him some images and things like those are all like all my album covers and things are just public domain images like taken by the military Mm -hmm. and then he just kind of cleans them up and adds some graphics and text and things but yeah so it was a kind of kicked into gear with that so then i was started going visually with that theme and that's when the tracks kind of decided and I, I used basically all my tracks i kind of found some footage of something from that time period and kind of played along as i wrote the tracks to kind of get the vibe and yeah that was one of them that was kind of like it was interesting because cars and things have a little bit quicker tempo When you're watching them, and jets kind of like float through the sky, even if they're flying hard, because they're just so big and a lot of space. So it's kind of a like all the Moon Dragon songs have a little bit slower kind of vibe, right? Than other things, and that's that's a good example of like, all right, let's see. And it's kind of basic in the way the song structured, but it was like it was kind of an experiment, really. And then I ended up really liking that song a lot. It's probably one of my favorites from the album. But, uh, yeah, I basically named it as, like, Working Title Man and Machine, and that kind of stuck. Have you then put music,
0: like, have you ever done, like, a cool track and then just, like, thrown it in to a video or something just to see what people thought? Like, just secretly, like, oh, I'll just, just shove this music in and see what happens.
1: Yeah, I've played around with it. Like, that's, like, what my YouTube channel is. It's some different things. Like, uh, And I try and find kind of obscure references because, like, uh, the 80s had so much, like random military worship like more than like pretty much the most since world war ii where it was like just considered to be like a cool deadly man you know what i mean mm-hmm. like whether it was vehicles or guns or whatever it was so it's a funny time so mm-hmm. i, I kind of throw a different things. So the one like i made a music video for that online it's on my youtube but it's it, i don't know moon dragon man a machine but the the footage is from this old 1980s one film called the final countdown that is about this uh aircraft carrier that goes through like a wormhole time travel (laughs) thing in the middle of the pacific ocean Mm. and they come out on the other side but they come out right before uh pearl harbor happens and it's the crew like deciding whether they should intervene with their like hardcore jets and advanced military weapons that they have 20 30 years later to go after the The japanese and it's a really weird movie i've never even heard of that and that's what's so funny it's like it's shot so well and it's like i found a 1080 version like super hd'd out of these jets flying and things and i was like man that's perfect so i just put my sound to it and edited the video there's not even much edits because i'm not a very good video editor or anything i just kind of said this scene works this scene works because it's really just like one of the first films of just like fighter jet porn, basically.
0: Yeah, it's funny how in the 80s, how since the 80s was always kind of not that ironic of a time, there's something more, I'm trying to think, because they do those movies now where there's like this sort of, you know, like, ooh, this rah-rah military stuff yeah but i feel like in this day and age it stands out more like uh they do a lot in like the transformers films
1: yeah yeah no they definitely do and i I don't i don't like the transformers films, but like yeah it's not nearly as cool as it was in the 80s no like it,
0: it it just feels nowadays it just feels like product placement there's something you know like when i'm watching like a transformers film and i mean i'm already cynical because i don't like them but you know like yeah. when it's just like it's time to bring the rain you know and they try and make it all cool like it's a sad, but it just it kind of falls flat whereas like in the 80s there was something just sort of more sincere about the idea of like yeah go army that it's it's yeah. more palatable for some reason even though m- me personally like i've never been a big like military dude like that's never been my interest you know Yeah. But for some reason I can watch like eighties films that involve sort of military things. And you know, like the, where the hero is like, you know, an ex Marine and all this shit. And it's, I don't know. There's something, it's just coming from a more like sincere kind of place. Like where it just, it just, it doesn't stand out to me or feel wrong. Whereas now, when I watch movies where that happens, it's it, for some reason, it just stands out to me more. And I, I, I can't quite put my finger on what the difference is.
1: It's very icky. I don't know. There's like That's what I mean. You could probably do a whole discourse on why that is. I mean, there's definitely the things of... Because in the 80s, right? It's Cold War era. They're the bad guys. We're the good guys. Like, how's... It was, and even if you did a future sci-fi version, you still had clear lines. Like, the problem with, like, the 90s, and especially the 2000s, it's like, who's the good guys? I'm not really... Yeah, maybe sure. that's it. Yeah, you might be right. And we're also not fighting, like, any enemies that have, like, another jet right. or anything cool. You know what I mean? It's not like Rocky Four of, like, who's going to win <laughs> this fight of what's cooler. It's like, it's just pretty awful all around. So it's, like, uh, it's interesting. Yeah, you're probably right. Because I know that there was something, right? There is that difference. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's interesting. Well,
0: how about... Maybe we'll maybe we'll listen to another track then so this is a cool album there's a lot of good songs on here so let's listen to a track called call signs oh yeah Call signs by Moon Dragon, and I'm uh, I'm back with Moon Dragon, and we're talking about this uh, this album, Man and Machine, right now. So, uh, talk to me a bit about uh, that track.
1: That track's got something interesting, little little footnote. So, like my favorite jets, the, uh, the F-14 Tomcat. That's the one that was in Top Gun with the folding wings and all that. But what's funny about that the track, the call signs, the the radio chatter that you hear at the start of it. Is actually the like one of the first and only engagements of those jets that they actually got in a fight and shot down other jets. So you're actually hearing like real pilots recorded. So it's a little, little footnote. What's that yeah. from? Uh, it's a, I think it was in, oh, I don't want to butcher it because somebody with like military knowledge is going to be like, that's not correct. But I think it was <laughs> in the Lebanon or somewhere like that. It was over uh, somewhere in the Middle East or can't remember what it was, but it was just an invasion of... It was actually like uh, free airspace, but our their, uh, their jets were getting too close to ours, kind of pushing the boundaries. And then they, they got a missile lock on one of our jets, which is like, okay, what do we do? Which normally we like, it's don't fire unless fired upon kind of thing, but they were in international waters and doing this i think and eventually escalated to where they actually ended up engaging them
0: why is that recorded though
1: uh well it's the radio chatter of uh, pretty much any military engagement like they record everything just uh for history sake to, right so they can evaluate when just like the black box if a civilian plane went down or something so right, right yeah right. It's, a, it's interesting like uh and all that stuff's public domain too so i just say a lot of my samples are weird stuff like I've sampled, like, PSA announcements for, like, nuclear fallout protocols and some other weird stuff that you hear in there. And some of it's just old films, too.
0: It's funny because, because you know, a lot of your tracks do have these sort of samples. And, you know, uh, with the new format of Beyond Synth, I started to put backing tracks behind the conversation. Yeah. And I did use, I think, a few Moondragon songs. Mm-hmm. For some of those, and I remember not realizing, like, because I would make this this music bed as a loop, mm-hmm. and then some of them had this, <laughs> like, these voice samples in them. And at one point, <laughs> what I just—I'm trying to think uh, what track it was that I that I used. I, I eventually had to take it out of the rotation of background music, and I used a different one, only because. I was, I was doing it, and then I completely forgot that, like, two minutes into the song, all of a sudden it does, like, this talking, <laughs> which was, like... I mean, it, it wasn't really interfering with the
1: talking in the show, but it... No, but, yeah, no, I know it's true. It's like, what was yeah. that?
0: <laughs> so, with your job, then, I mean, like, what was your in to do that, the, the job you're working on now?
1: So, I went to school for audio engineering. I really wanted to move out west and do sound design for a film, so, like transformers that exam- example example guy who came up with the sound for the transformers transforming that guys like that, those are all sound designers mm-hmm. and your role depending on what you're assigned to do but it's a really competitive world out there and i had a friend who kind of was from out west who had went out there first and met with some sound designers and they were really nice let him see the studio showed them around they're like yeah this is what we're doing where we're working i uh i can't remember her name um but she uh she's worked on like fast and furious like all kinds of different movies and she was really nice and accommodating to him and then she's at the end of the whole day letting him hang out and things she's like don't move out here by the way like, <laughs> like excuse me she's like yeah like uh, pretty much all those guys you met like they're waiting to get the job that you're trying to come out here and get as like a you know what i mean because it's it's so unionized and it's people have been doing it so long that it's really competitive and i still wanted to but then as i kind of went through school and video games are a big passion of mine but as i once i learned i always thought video games were kind of off limits for me because i uh, i'm not great with the the math and i thought i needed to know software engineering mm-hmm. to really get into it but then as i learned that basically modern day game development uses middleware programs to implement the sound into the games and things and once I kind of got that knowledge I started transitioning more and making demo reels and things for games and I did that and then I started working my way up as a tester at EA here in Orlando on the, the Madden franchise and with the hopes of moving up the company but I was put on the Wii U team which I thought was a great thing because I'm like, Oh good, like they don't have a sound guy for the Wii U team. It's the first year they made the Wii U. Mm-hmm. Like I can easily make this a transition, this'll be good. And then unfortunately, like Wii U didn't do too hot and EA killed all support for Wii U <laughs> and dissolved that team. So I kind of bounced around to other platforms like xbox 360 ps4 teams and things or xbox one teams and i helped out with those but while i was doing that i was working on my demo reels and things and one of the defense companies here that kind of works as a kind of a more cutting edge creates like unique one-off demos to kind of show capabilities of these things like i applied to them kind of as a long shot and uh they really like my demo reel and things and from there and it's kind of Still had different companies and different transitions and things but yeah that's where i ended up so i'm still the only sound guy so i got a lot of hats that i wear like with voice actors and different things like that but it's it's a good time because it's kind of a weird spot where no one really knows what i do but they know that i make stuff and they need it (laughs) so so i just kind of hang out in this room and record stuff and make sounds so
0: when you were doing the stuff for ea how does that work where you're like a tester for a specific
1: franchise yeah so like uh with the wii u it was a case of porting the 360 version to work with the wii u and the wii u gamepad Hmm. and uh so that was kind of the task really because performance wise it could kind of run the game just fine the 360 version it just needed to uh implement the pad which is its own has its own screen so we ended up doing some cool stuff you could draw on the touchpad your own place and routes I think we got the game done before the Wii U was out in the public, and they released it as a like borderline launch title for the Wii U, and then it didn't sell enough units or whatever, so they didn't bother re-upping it.
0: Yeah, because the Wii so. U, man, because like, I have one, and um, that first little while was...
1: Rough. In fact, and because the sales were so bad for the Wii U, I don't even think the game did that bad relatively to the other titles. It's just it was like EA was like, oh no, that's definitely not worth the effort. Yeah. And it's funny because it was only a team of like 20 people mm-hmm. that made that version, but that's how it, that's how it goes.
0: What was testing like?
1: It's a little different. Like the, what what I ended up being is what they call an embedded tester, which is I work with the teams directly versus like being in a testing center testing center has like 50 guys in a room all right check every uniform check every name check like kind of the tedious not fun stuff right what i ended up doing was like say the game designer says all right we're going to implement this new thing they send me the files and i run them on my build and check them before they submit it to the the code and, uh, yeah, we're getting real technical with this.
0: <laughs> no, I, I've always been interested in that stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's a good time. But yeah, so that's how that works. You're really more of a... They're too busy to check it themselves. It's not... You know what I mean? They're kind of expensive software engineers and things, so we use lowly testers to check their stuff for them. And then I kick back to them any notes or any new bugs that may come up or different things like that.
0: So what made you... Like you said, you, you know, then you just applied to this sort of d- the defense thing or whatever. But like, wh- what made you think
1: that that was an option? Basically, there's this big contract for this new ship for the Navy called the LCS, Littoral Combat Ship, that went through and this company I worked for won the contract. And it was like a $300 million big deal um, to create training for this ship. And uh, they were using CryEngine at the time. Now they've switched to Unreal. It was like, okay, they're, the military is finally because basically what was happening is you had like generals and all these things going to seeing this military training and then they go home and see their kid playing call of duty or whatever and they're like why is why is this thing that i can buy for like two or three hundred bucks and play like better looking than what the military is spending millions of dollars on what's what's the problem here because it's always been that's the the rub right the military always had the cool tech and We don't even know what they have. But, like, when it came to training, that wasn't really it. Like, video game companies have far surpassed, like, what uh, the defense industry's had for quite a while now. So, that's... It's the start of the push of that. So, it's still a pretty early field. But it's, like, that's why I wanted to get into it is because once it gets going... And it's a little more stable than, say, like, game companies. Because if you work at a game company and the game's bad, it's like, well, good luck, guys. like... Well, even if the game's good, you'll
0: probably only have a job for like four months before they Yeah, like...
1: it gets kind of sketchy sometimes. It's like, I love it and it's fun, but at the same time, it's a, there's a pretty big disconnect of the people up top and the people making the game sometimes, especially at the bigger studios. So it gets a little tough.
0: Yeah, no, I've got some friends who work in games, and that's the thing. Like, I mean, if they have a an actual job with the company, they're sort of more secure, but then they're forced to like bounce between projects and stuff. But then there's all those other workers that they sort of... Bring in at crunch time, yeah. Where you're sort of brought in for like three months to help, you know, polish the game at the end, and then you just sort of like, and you're gone. Even if it's like a, a, you know, like an amazing game, million dollar seller, whatever. Just like,
1: you know. Yeah, no, you were, and that's that's the bummer. It's like it's you meet with the 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 management stuff. They're like, man, you did great, loved everything about it, but we don't have the budget to keep you. So maybe (laughs) next year.
0: Tell me about the track afterburner. Actually, you know what.
1: Let's listen some? to it. Yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I just drank that eggnog a little too quick. I'm gonna forget Woo, the, yeah. I'm gonna forget the format of this show. Um, <laughs> yeah, so here's here's the track "Afterburner" by Moon Dragon. dragon with the track afterburner and i am uh, rejoined by moon dragon and yeah tell me about that song
1: i think i wrote that probably the next night after writing man and machine the first track you played Mm. i was just like all right i'm doing this and i was just churning music out so like basically from january first week of january to march middle of march or so when i released that 12 song album like all those songs were made Created, mastered all in that time. So it was, it was, I basically, I was like, I told the wife, I'm like, I'm doing this. So it was just late nights, 2 a.m. every night coming home. So that's kind of a blur on those differences. All I remember of that is it's the same key signature as Man and Machine. And they were, I was thinking about making them like kind of sister tracks, maybe blending them together with like a weird long ambient thing in between. And then like that, that didn't work out because they kind of, sounded better on their own just track start track stop just track start track stop kind of thing so i, I eventually i think i really wanted to do kind of more i really like a, kind of like the uh, post-hardcore bands like screaming singing things because those were popular when i was in high school <laughs> so you kind of always listen to what you listen to in high school but a lot of those bands would do some pretty impressive stuff from the engineering side of having a track end on a note and then slowly blend into the next track and starts like seamlessly and it was a big deal to have the cd tracks blend in between just skip right to the next track and i kind of wanted to do that and i didn't really get around to it too much Um, I do some songs a little better than others, but...
0: It's sort of a trickier thing to do now, right? Because if you're just listening in a playlist, like an iTunes playlist, to have, you know, track one, blend to track two without hearing, like, a little blip in between, or...
1: Yeah, right. Like, if I throw, like, a weird 30-second outro that, like, slowly builds up like it's going to be into another song, and then that's the end of the song on Spotify, you're like, what was that about? I don't (laughs) know, so it's which it's like because that's how i like i like to consume music as a whole album right you know and that's i think like like you said gunship they did a really good job with that on their latest album that album's really rad they made yeah no it is uh it's well produced which is funny because those guys are like post-hardcore singer screaming band and they're yeah it's funny
0: i forgot to even talk
1: to him about that (laughs) oh really yeah yeah it's funny fight star listen to
0: there's a lot of albums when i think about that i listened to as a kid that did that where if the song was taken out of context i mean i even like with the depeche mode there's the one that's like enjoy the silence on the album has like this (laughs) outro that goes on and on and like out of context like i think even when i put it into itunes because i don't really listen to albums anymore like i did as a kid
1: yeah no it's like the that's just not how it works that much anymore
0: and there are there are certain tracks in my itunes playlist that i would be like uh just stop this at fucking three minutes like it's like the song would be over <laughs> and then there's just two minutes of like rah, 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 yeah but the,
1: the, like sitting in your bedroom listening to a record for an hour like those days or that's you got to be a connoisseur to do those like this is Uh, The music industry is not really built around it much anymore.
0: No, and it's too... I mean, I'm not sure if I miss it or not. Like, there's definitely (laughs) albums that... Uh, you know, I would have a, nostal- a nostalgic attachment to listening to the whole thing again. Yeah. But it's been years, because even as a kid, I always
1: loved mixtapes. I think it's hilarious you said Enjoy the Silence, because that was, like, one of the first cassette singles I ever had. Well, you know what That's I'm cool. talking about then, right? Like how? Yeah, like, I do. Well, it's like I didn't until you said it, and then I'm like, oh, yeah.
0: It. Li- I think Enjoy the Silence, I think the outro was like, a minute, and it's possibly over a minute.
1: And I'm pretty sure, like, what I had was a cassette with, like, a B-side that had something else weird on it that I never ever listened to because maybe it had that i can't remember too much like the funny thing about it is i had that loved that song didn't even know what depeche mode was till probably five or six years later i was i don't know i was like five or six years old it was my my older brother just giving me his old tapes
0: yeah it's funny because when i was a kid uh when i heard depeche mode for the first time i mean it was sort of like the first kind of good music i liked because before that point you know when you're young i guess everyone's sort of different when they sort of start liking their own stuff but i mean i didn't really like my own music until you know well into late public school yeah because before that it was just you just heard the tapes that were around the house or the radio or whatever and the first tape i ever (laughs) i ever bought was um two unlimited oh boy two unlimited second album the one that uh so not the one that had the fucking song they played all the sports games, but... Uh, <laughs> you're,
1: you're, you were jock-jamming it up. Huh? What the
0: fuck was the song?
1: Oh, man, I can't remember it
0: either. No, okay, no Limits was the first album, I think. Oh, or or was it? No, No Limits was the second one, because the first one was, y'all ready for this? Yeah. Like, that was the first one. And the second one was... Uh, Yeah, no, no limits, we'll reach for the sky. And then the rapper. Yeah, yeah. definitely not as big a hit as the... (laughs) No. And uh, and, yeah, thinking back to that now, you know, where I do have this nostalgia for a lot of stuff I listened to as a kid. Yeah. But 2 Unlimited does not hold up in my nostalgia bank. Like, when I go back and listen to it, I'm like, oh, what the fucking tinny, shitty sounding music? Like, (laughs) but uh, I could probably still listen to that one. But like, it was... uh. Anyway, so then someone got me into Depeche Mode. And uh, the first album they the game was Violator. Oh, wow. And uh, and yeah, that was the first one. And then I ended up gravitating towards the earlier Depeche Mode stuff, like listening to Violator. And then I, I sort of listened to some of the older ones and, and liked them a lot. But uh, before I knew what Depeche Mode was, like I had these funny memories as a kid of being confused as to what um, uh, the bands were. Like you know, I would hear the music and then associate them with a different image because I, I, you know, without the internet, I had no context. Yeah. So you know, my parents would listen to like ABBA and stuff, and I thought ABBA was Three's Company. <laughs>
1: Oh man, yeah. I see where you're going.
0: You know what I mean? Like, so it's like I had the visual of Three's Company, the cast of Three's Company, and to me, that's what Abba was. And then when I first heard Depeche Mode, I had never, I never understood the concept of a male vocal uh, singing in a high range. Oh yeah. So, you know, like when like uh, when Martin Gore comes in on the songs and does like the high parts. Yeah, the falsetto stuff. Yeah, and I, so I thought it was a woman. Like as a kid, I just didn't know. <laughs> So I thought, and then when I first heard the Bee Gees, I thought the yeah. Bee Gees was a trio of black women. <laughs> I didn't know, like, because I just didn't understand that concept of the falsetto male voice. I mean, I love a good falsetto voice. like,
1: a, Yeah, no, you're, you're like, no, the, a man can't sound like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly.
0: And then when I figured it out, I was like, oh, I get it now. But, like, as a kid, and so it's so funny when I think back, thinking I was listening to the Bee Gees and just picturing, like, just, I don't know why, a trio of black women. And, you know, they'd have the afros because I, I I was still picturing them in appropriate like disco That's attire. So
1: good. So good. <laughs> so stupid. You just reminded me, though, of my wife. I just said we had a funny story. I mean, I'll preface this. Did you ever see that movie Don Juan DeMarco with Johnny Depp? No, but I'm aware of it. You know of it. Yes. It had like a very 90s tie in to the main theme song by Brian Adams, which is to, I think it's called To Really Love a Woman. You ever heard that song? really love a woman like yeah i'm sure yeah, i have yeah, yeah I have. it's a really cheesy love song what's hilarious though is my wife like some commercial or something came on and she was like oh man i used to love don juan de marco he sings so good <laughs> and i i was <laughs> i had to be like wait a minute like i think you're confused she's like no the movie the don juan because she used to watch it when she was like six or seven and yeah, thought yeah, johnny yeah. depp was gorgeous right and stuff and i was like I think you don't realize that that movie, that's Johnny Depp that you're talking about. And he doesn't sing that song. So it was a weird, just like your case of not really understanding what you liked as a kid, but just going with what the first thing that popped in your head. She's like, it's a movie. It's got that guy on the cover and it's got this song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the guy who sings it. And man, I blew her mind. I kind of shattered, shattered some childhood dreams, but it was hilarious at the same time.
0: Yeah, because sometimes you don't... Uh... It, it never comes up again like no one ever talks about don juan
1: demarco no that's not a big hit at the uh, table to talk about yeah so
0: i'm honestly i think that's the first time i've ever actually said that more than twice in a row in my life so it's like you can understand how you know like you get an idea in your head and when it's never challenged uh, yeah no, i
1: totally didn't judge her at all because i thought it was hilarious that i completely understood immediately but i had to, had to get the, the message across.
0: Well, let's uh, let's get the message across here about uh, your latest release. Mm-hmm. And that,
1: my friend, is a segue. Nice. Talk to me about
0: the track Eye in the Sky.
1: That's the one uh, where I mentioned uh, sampled a sample to Fallout video. Like, so when it says, like, listen to your radio and has all those weird samples, that's actually, like, you can find it on YouTube. You type in, like, British PSA or something, 1980s PSA announcement or whatever, and it's basically telling like cold war era what to do if you hear like the sirens and nuclear bombs are dropping oh you know (laughs) what we should do yeah
0: let's listen to that song okay
1: yeah and (laughs) i forgot and now
0: all right here is eye in the sky by moon dragon was Eye in the Sky by Moondragon and uh, I'm joined uh, with Moondragon now we're just talking about it so continue you were you were telling me the story and I awkwardly segue to the track so
1: let's see uh, ah, was beautiful very smooth <laughs> nice uh, yeah it was a weird PSA because that's all I do I like look up 1980s public domain videos or like weird cable access stuff whatever I can find that's like fair use stout. That no one's ever going to care about, and I kind of just spend time sampling them or like recording like even long things, and I'll take weird phrases. And that was one of them that I was like, "Man, this is the voice is interesting because it's British, but like in the context of the song, you don't really hear it that much. You kind of just hear a sample of because uh, it's got that that graininess, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I took some of that, and Eye in the Sky was just fitting with the Cold War era fear kind of thing. But it's really the track was just some cool. Uh, synth ar- arpeggiations I guess, that, is that a word? Arpeggios? Arpeggiations. arpeggiations? I don't know, sounds like it to me. I wonder if you can uh, say
0: arpeggiations, I never thought of it. I guess
1: Arpeggios? Arpeggioses? I don't know the plural. <laughs> so, so I messed around with those a lot, which I don't do too much, like I, I kind of have them I usually write like a part and then I'll write leads over that, kind of write the bed, but that one was strictly kind of like picking weird chords and adding notes in and there to make it make that bed and i ended up liking it a lot i always like it's funny because i always like that sound but some guys are just really good at it perturbator and stuff do a really good job with that so like i don't want to it's a weird spot especially when you're instrumental like to just try and create your own sound Mm -hmm. that's what i mean the artwork kind of helps but at the same time it's it it, if you it just depends on if you want to I think it, the uh, the outlook you have, if you want to look at something and try and find its similarities, you can very easily, but also like you listen to it enough, you know what I mean? Like there's people who don't listen to like, if I played you some like screaming bands, you're like, Oh, these all sound the same. You know, like a lot of times people say that, but like, if you listen to that kind of music, you start to find the, the variations.
0: Yeah. 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 I think definitely like with synth wave, there is that. Aspect as well is like because there's so many people doing it, and any sort of way of setting yourself apart, you know, yeah. through artwork and through all that stuff. Because the tricky thing is when, I mean, because I hear a lot of it, you know, with people send me things for the show. Is sometimes I'll hear a track and it's sort of like, I mean, I like the synthwave sound, so I don't want to use the word generic. Yeah, but it's definitely like music where it's like, okay, I can't tell the difference. Like I don't know who this artist is, and then when the the album artwork is also you know the triangles and the grids and stuff it's yeah. like oh so i don't even have that to fall back on to go <laughs> you know to you know because at least and it's like, a so weird th-
1: spot it's because i love so many people like in this genre like that i've met and things and it's like i love like ha- like all those things you know what i mean but it is a weird spot where you're trying to differentiate yourself
0: what i've yeah. found and i mean this is sort of hope for anybody sort of making this music because when people do discover synthwave and they like it I feel as though, I mean, not not this is true all the time. This is going to be sort of. I think I've said this on the show before, and I, I don't. Want, I don't want this to sound like a controversial statement. But oh snap!
1: Here it comes.
0: I feel like the first guys you hear, like the first artists you hear when you get introduced to the synthwave, will be the ones that you kind of
1: stick with. Yeah. No. No doubt about it.
0: And. I'm, I mean, so all of us who have been involved in the scene for years, even though I feel always feel like I discovered it late, but there's still people discovering it now, are fortunate enough that now, you know, it's been, you know, several years where those artists have had the opportunity to grow. So while I do stand behind the thing I just said, I also feel that some of the artists I've liked since the beginning of the scene are the better w- ones you know just because like yeah no. they, they, they got me hooked early but then now they've also grown as artists as well and, and some of them just were really cool from the beginning like obviously and had a distinct like perturbator and stuff where it's just like yeah. you know like it, i know it when i hear it carpenter brute stuff like that you know like when it's yeah. on i'm like i know who this is
1: yeah for me it's a uh, laser hawks visitors like that was one of the first like oh i i see what he's doing here you know what i mean because i've listened to like calm trues and things which is really good too but it's got its kind of own he was kind of predating a lot of this specific 80s like soundtrack call outs but then Laserhawk's visitors like was that's the one that the main example that i was like man this is awesome i'd love to make some of this it'll never be as good as this so i'm probably not gonna bother like that's it was like (laughs) one of those cases where this is my favorite no i don't want to do it and then shortly after that like i came across dance with the dead and stuff and i'm like ah, okay yeah i'm not doing this because <laughs> <laughs> they were so good mm-hmm. but at the same time now i'm glad i did because i would love for any of those guys like because i'm at the case like i'm 30 years old got a kid married like the rock star lifestyle is pretty out of touch but i, I will definitely tour like a 10 stop like East Coast, thing, you know what I mean. I, mm-hmm. I want somebody to make that next step, but it's like it's not going to be me. I'm pretty much sure of that, you know what I mean. So but you have uh, you have done some life stuff, right? I have. I've tried like, and that's what I mean. I've played uh, some bands that are touring, like coming through orlando i've contacted venues and say like when they're looking for opening acts and things and it's like with the live show and the projectors that i have and i play the sense live like parts of the sense live and then have backtracking on drums and things like people super dig it when they see it live and that's why i keep trying to tell guys just set up the just get it set up and try your best and even if it's just your friends coming out they will enjoy it because it's it's a really fun thing that uh because i played two one show was a weird show where It was kind of this uh, experimental like rock band and things and like unfortunately they didn't have much of a crowd come out. They're bigger overseas but then the next show I played was with this uh, I opened for this artist named Johnny Craig. He's a lead singer of a lot of bands like Warped Tour bands kind of things. Like people who've uh, kind of followed that scene for the past few years definitely know he is so it was a it was i mean probably two three hundred people in the venue kind of thing and my wife was recording it and i just started because it's like weird right like other bands that played opening the night was like a guy on guitar and drums came out and then all these different things and then it's like my time to load in is just me coming out with this sheet and this crazy pvc pipe screen that i made <laughs> and i'm just like carrying three synthesizers under my arms out with a laptop and setting up a table it's like people automatically are like what is what's going on here and then sound checking and having that music come on and stuff because that's the weird spot that we're in is the biggest music right now is edm like nightclub electronic dance music you know what i mean so it's a funny thing that it's it's so foreign that retro synth music is like not a thing live very much but the biggest like crazy venues are packed out for people just like watching a dj so it's a weird weird spot that we're in so i'm trying to tap into that slowly and surely but
0: obviously i'm always trying to be a champion of synthwave music and the thing is i know there's so many people who like you know video game music and video game soundtracks and edm and trance and things like this that i know would like synthwave if they heard it but there's some weird barrier to entry and I'm not sure what it is exactly, like, if it feels exclusive or if it feels like a nerdy thing or something. Yeah. Because, obviously, like, if, if you look at the demographic, right, of, of the people making Synthwave, you know, predominantly male, predominantly yeah. I mean, they're 30, you know, like, that sort of age range. So there's got to be a reason for that, you know, like, what—it's the same thing I think about when I—anybody I know who's ever been, like, a conspiracy person or something, they always happen to be guys of a certain age— who you know like there's there's like there's like you know what I mean like I've never met yeah. a female conspiracy theorist
1: yeah she's so talking it's just, about chemtrails and just yeah what's so it's going just on. like
0: <laughs> yeah so i'm I, and I, it's not a question of of uh, debating the 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 uh, the merits of those thoughts it's just like that's weird that there doesn't seem to be a girl one i mean why is that you know and yeah and so sometimes um when it comes to to this scene i wonder like what is it like is is there something nerdy is there something what is it about it that it seems to appeal to like dudes with their computers at this certain age range i mean like what is the reason and i can't put a finger on it because like i mean sh- surely it's nostalgia but a lot of people are nostalgic women are nostalgic i mean like there's all these other you know what i mean so i don't yeah know
1: no it's a weird spot and like pretty much like the early 2000s with myspace and things kind of created a renaissance where people music helped you identify yourself you know it's <laughs> like set you apart It's like i'm into this kind of music here's my profile song and all this different stuff and there's just not that much of it today like even if you're like actively sharing on your facebook wall yeah this is some really good music like no one People are like, no one cares immediately. Yeah. <laughs> like, and that's just how it is. Like, I think the numbers of the people, like, there's still people still love music. That's not going to go away. But it is the the being identified by it. I think like the only people I know that I see who are younger that are really are the guys who are going to the nightclubs to do like the EDM dancing. Like, they just love that social aspect. And that's where like the synthwave kind of stuff doesn't really like you say the retro. And not to mention, it's like I don't think a 19 year old really it's hard right we're talking about our weird Depeche Mode's first albums and like that's what was that's what life was when we were it wasn't like a throwback right so it's a weird there is an age difference there so and that's where you don't want to sound elitist being like you you don't know man you weren't there yeah. like <laughs> <laughs> but it, it there is something there because that's what i mean like it's i i referenced when i first saw a john carpenter film or you know what i mean it's like it's it's not the same to catch the rerun on tnt now as it was back then or and aliens predator any of those things like mm-hmm. that's there's there's a reason we like the the decade but you know, see, it's a weird spot so i don't know and it, it's i think i'll be doing this for quite a while whether or not It continues to get bigger or not. like I enjoy it and I enjoy the music and even if there's 10 people they're like yeah this is cool you're like okay that's worth it like that's because this is this is what I like to do so it's gonna keep going on Mm -hmm. even if it's hobby grade for me it's like oh that'd be great if I could get to the point of where I'm making a few extra dollars doing it but like that's and that's more why I try and play live is to just see like get the word out there on a bigger scale like because uh, there have been some weird little scenes that have c- been created in Orlando that have started up but like it's it's, it's a tough gig it's not as easy as it used to be like I remember when I first started I used to have like this pretty crappy electro pop project in the, like 2007 2008 that was a uh, called a cowardly lion mm-hmm. Yeah, it wasn't, <laughs> wasn't great I did vocals everything on my MacBook with my back MacBook microphone didn't know anything about like Daw, making your own music uh, on computers and things, just learned it all. But I mean, within six months of getting my Mac and like making some songs and stuff, I was playing live at a venue like every weekend because there were so many people on tour like I could pick and it was a normal thing. It's just not like that now. Like I, I get crickets when I call venues or email venues about like hey you've got this thing coming through i think i'd fit good on that set list like what do you think kind of thing and no one ever writes back or yeah yeah same thing with like mainstream publications and things i i like really for the miramar album i like really went all out tried to make like press releases and send them out to like everything i could and i mean it's just a lot of stuff's bought and paid for already you know like with any kind of promotional because that's the thing it's like i could make a really cool music blog right now but to get traffic to it is very difficult yeah 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 because even the ones that were the cool underground music blogs like they're just talking about adele and justin bieber because like they need those clicks yeah. <laughs> so it's, <laughs> it's a tough gig but it's 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 a weird spot and it all devolves into that conversation of commercial music or selling out or weird stuff like that which i don't the funny thing is even the biggest guys in the scene like it's not they're not retiring off yeah, of this yeah stuff, yeah. you know what I mean? It's it's still hobby grade. Well, uh t- talking a bit about uh, this album. Now you did
0: a uh, a collab with uh, Phaserland. Oh man, he's so good. So uh let's listen to that track. This is uh Blackbird featuring Phaserland by Moon Dragon. And that was Blackbird by Moondragon featuring Phaserland. So uh, tell me about that song. I'm still here with Moondragon, a.k.a. Troy Simpson. So you did uh, this collab. So how did Phaserland get involved with this track?
1: Basically, uh, you're responsible for that. Hello. Um. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> because uh, I listened to your podcast with Phaserland because he's been on a few times with you, I think, hasn't he? No, he's just been on the once that once okay well i got lucky i was listening to him and he mentioned that like he was a snobby math rock pink floyd loving guy for a long time i don't know if you remember that or not
0: i think yeah. He, he also mentioned that he loves man as well
1: <laughs> oh ross <laughs> um, yes anyways yeah so he he was mentioning about that really liking that classic rock stuff and that's when he learned guitar and he, and by that a little light went in my head i was like i bet this guy knows He's slightly classically trained because that's like the toughest thing I have when I've collaborated with a few people is like, it's like, you'll figure it out. Before I ever went to school for audio engineering, I was a music school guy and I'm a music school dropout and mostly because I did not like music school because of the, the, I I don't want to say, I'll say elitism is a good word for it because it's like I taught myself to play at about 16 or 17 piano and Mm -hmm. that was going to be my principal instrument and stuff. And I mean, it was very hard because I was going up against kids who played since they were six, seven years old. So even entry-level stuff for me was like a walk in the park for them. But the whole mindset of how the degree and stuff was structured, I just didn't enjoy. But so it's funny that I'm saying that because I was like, I heard Phaserland saying that, Ross. And then I said, like, yeah, I bet he knows some time signatures and some uh, <laughs> some key signatures. Yeah. I can just drop him <laughs> some files and he can make it. And I, I forget what it was. I think it was like for whatever key it's in and i sent him to do this and he was just like yeah man cool uh paid him for his time and uh he hopped on the track and he like i kind of wrote some crappy midi guitar because i can't play guitar hardly at all like that's the I'm terrible at it. So, but I wrote it like kind of what I wanted the notes to do and bend and things. I was like, hey, here's a crappy track. Like, here's an idea of what I'm going for. And I pretty much just told him kind of 80s hairband kind of stuff. And he's like, yeah, I got it. And then, like, he sent me back, like, just like the shredding. Rad guitar (laughs) that kicks in So much so that his was so much better Than what I wrote I changed all my synth parts around to fit his music So it's a weird thing where it's like a collaboration But his stuff was better than my original Like melodies and things (laughs) So I was like you know what I gotta do So then I kind of turned it into a dueling Kind of thing he plays and then I bring mine in And then he plays his part and then I bring mine in So it's kind of cool It ended up being a cool track It was just gonna be a free single I was just kind of trying to keep some visibility on the moon dragon project you know how it is these days with everybody releasing so much music i was like well i don't i don't want to release this album and then just kind of fade away so i got to keep making stuff but then i was like man this is a really cool song i did another couple singles and then i just decided to turn it into an ep and uh that's 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 how i got born about
0: well it's cool man well it's a good track it's a fun fucking collab
1: yeah no i liked it
0: So, uh, with all your love, then, of uh, planes and shit, uh, are you a a fan of Star Fox?
1: Oh, gosh, I love Star Fox. (laughs) I'm really disappointed, because I don't think that new Wii U game's gonna be any good at all, because I don't don't think they understand, like, why people like Star Fox. I don't think... Like, Star Fox on 64, man, in 64 that was my jam.
0: Yeah, that was a good one. I liked all the voice samples and stuff. Like, I remember being excited by that. I think Star Fox has been one of the franchises they've handled very strangely yeah because uh, then there was like the GameCube one which I enjoyed but only because it was sort of like a weird Zelda kind of clone yeah I never got to play
1: that one I never had a GameCube I was PS2 all the way in those days
0: yeah like I was a a Nintendo kid Um, like what I mean Super was the first system I bought with my own money, uh, but I bought it at the very tail end of the Super Nintendo. Oh, ah, yeah, that was back when it was like at the very end when it was like I think 179 and it came with two controllers and Mario World and Mario All Stars. <laughs> good games, yeah. No, there's no, there's some of the best. So, like, I you know, I bought it maybe four years in, so I think like literally the N64 came out like two years after I bought the the Super ah. Nintendo, but uh, yeah, I remember uh, Star Fox was awesome and on the 64, and then on the GameCube. It was like an adventure game. Yeah. And it was clearly, I mean, I know we, like, I think the story was out at the time that it was originally just a different
1: game that Rare was making. Yeah, they confirmed that, that it wasn't even like, they're like, yeah, we'll just throw Star Fox in it.
0: Yeah, and it's really more obvious when you, because I I remember, like, the last boss, like, they, they just sort of threw in these flying levels that had, they were very arbitrary to the adventure portion of the game it was just sort of like and now here's the flying part for no reason and then you just do it and it was over and I remember like the last boss was particularly simple just because they clearly just didn't put a lot of work into the flying parts they were just sort of there so that to
1: justify the fact that it was a Star Fox game
2: yeah
0: and then uh, I've seen footage of the new one, and it looks like it's really slow.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's really weird looking. So I remember, it was when the Super Nintendo was fairly new, I remember going into a Target, and they had a display with Star Fox up there. And I don't know if you remember, like, on the original... I think it was the cover of Star Fox, actually. He was, like, a puppet? Like, a practical effect puppet? Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah, no, he's like... so It was, like, this real... As a six, seven-year-old kid or whatever I was, I don't know, like it was super cool to me right and that Star Fox was so edgy and like it was a shooter that you played at home and things so it was like it was aiming at a little bit higher demographic than Nint- nintendo normally does and it was a big hit right well critical hit and then uh starfox 64 like kept that but still 64'd it up you know what i mean mm-hmm. it was definitely a kid's kind of game but like that's what i mean it got really weird that Nintendo just does weird stuff, man.
0: Yeah, like, for me now, I still do like Nintendo, but um, it's like they're trying to make it difficult to, yeah. <laughs> to like them. Like It's, it's hard like they're to defend actively... them. Yeah, because yeah, I used to, and then I stopped. Uh, but, but definitely, <laughs> like, Mario Maker is really good.
1: No, it's a fantastic game. Like, That's the a... best
0: game that they've made in years. Like, it's so much fun, and it's funny, and... And uh, it's
1: literally like a kit game. It's not even, like... A... <laughs>
0: See when Nintendo does things like that, they do have a way of of making everything always feels like a game. Yeah. So like, I because I because I would draw, obviously draw the comparison from Mario Maker to like on PlayStation, Little Big Planet, and Little Big Planet is just so much more technical and uh, physics based and all this stuff that it's a lot more overwhelming than like with Mario Maker. It's very simple. It's on a grid, but somehow it feels like you're playing a game as you're building. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel like you're. Uh, doing math or, 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 you know, like it's just, it's. I don't know, they they just have a way of doing that, but it's too bad they haven't um, done more. I mean, there's been some things I've liked on Wii U, but it's definitely like, I don't know what they're doing. A weird, (laughs) weird, weird company, man.
1: Yeah, I just typed it in. I could see it. Star Fox, Super Nintendo cover. You'll see him in all his puppet glory. He looks like (laughs) a cool, a cool Muppet. That's what he looks like. They've got the whole team, too,
0: looking, looking at it. Oh, I used to love the stupid voice samples. That yeah, damn, damn it. Was it? <laughs> <Yeah.
1: laughs> Good times, man. Yeah, so I'm glad you brought that up. Tears <laughs> in my eyes. Tears <laughs> in my eyes.
0: I tried. To, was there a voice sample in the Super Nintendo one? Like, I mean, I think there was. A yeah, few, like, they did the gram, like. Gram, gram, the
1: br- 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 it was like a like weirder version i'm pretty sure but yeah that's how they talk or maybe they, i can't remember if it just did the digital readout kind of thing for the text
0: yeah just a blah, 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 like for like the whole yeah. thing but oh remember. you know what i'm thinking of sorry <laughs> i mean they did do that in Star Fox. but i remember uh did you ever play super metroid yes yes the beginning of super metroid had like the silliest voiceover at the very start where like the guy reading it had like a very strong lisp <laughs> and it's just like <laughs> the galaxy it, right? is at peace or whatever, and it was just it was just this ridiculous... I'll, I'll play it in the show, because it's like the silliest oh. opening. It's like, the last Metroid is in captivity. The galaxy is at peace. Like, Man, you, that was an interesting
1: design choice we went yeah. with there.
0: <laughs> well, because it must have been back in the day, I don't know, like, did they actually get an American actor? or Was it just like a Japanese yeah, who knows? speaking yeah. English? You know, like, now that it's so huge, obviously they do the localization and all the different languages and stuff, yeah. but back then, maybe they didn't, like, because obviously there was all those crazy arcade games we played as a kid was all those weird just incorrect sentence structure and bad grammar because the translation <laughs> to english was terrible oh uh, yeah well we could probably uh we can probably wrap this up man
1: yeah man now this has been super fun
0: is there a is there a track from the new album that uh, you're particularly fond of that we can end the show on
1: uh, yeah just go with that that miramar title tracks all day <laughs> all day <laughs> all day every album's got to have a title track that's like that's like my rule
0: that's the titular track it's called
1: yeah yeah that's that's how it works <laughs> but yeah that's a good one to close on little known fact Miramar the reason it's named that is cuz that's the airbase in the movie top gun where Ooh. they're all stationed we
0: all like a bit of top gun trivia
1: yeah there you go you, ex-
0: you excited for part 2
1: i am not at all no nope, <laughs> it is gonna be bad that's time tom cruise isn't saving it i'm fairly sure mostly because the jets just aren't cool now like the f-35 programs and things like they're just boondoggle incredibly expensive like <laughs> <laughs> and then we made them to sell them to other countries and th- it's like okay this is i'm getting a lot of pride yeah yeah yeah. and they're like not even made to dogfight like they're made to shoot without out of range like well, isn't, miles that, the, isn't away. that
0: the premise? Like, I, I believe but, that's what they said, anyways. That the concept of the film is going to be how like, they that they're obsolete now because of drones and all this other stuff. And well, yeah. it's
1: like no, they, like it's funny to be like, no, it's man versus machine, right? Like, we'll still need. To, it's like no, your whole plane is not designed to do that at all. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not what they're. They're like they did test like air to air. It's not much better than like an eighties jet. Like it's just yeah it's just got crazy technical capabilities which is cool but it's not it's not sexy you know what i mean it's not like whoa well maybe it'll just be like a
0: a whole film where it's like you know like a csi episode or 24 where they just try and make it exciting that people are typing away on keyboards with joysticks but they play like really
1: intense music and my buddy at work always jokes he's always like oh no guys and like pushes up his glasses you're gonna want to take a look at this (laughs) that's 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 what the movie's gonna be a lot of that the nerdy the quirky guy being like oh man i'm trying to hack into the system yeah
0: (laughs) all right man well you have uh you have a lovely florida day and i will man done. yeah have fun in the old canada i will <laughs> it's all gonna right. be great so uh this has been uh, my chat with with moon dragon and we're gonna end on uh, on the title track from the new album and uh, and we're gonna play that right now this is
1: miramar by moon dragon do you want to do like a little goodbye like a no now it's too awkward you did it <laughs> you, you nailed it you nailed it this could be the goodbye i guess like uh the 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 intense hesitation on my part (laughs) no 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 thank you
0: all right let's just uh let's just play this song (laughs) was my conversation with Moondragon. He's a fun guy. It's always interesting finding out people's interesting um, work they do. I never thought, like, what he's doing right now as a job. It's just it's very interesting to me, so that was, that was pretty cool. And what else, guys? Well, let's uh, chat for a few more minutes here. We got some time. You know what? Let's listen. I got something I want to listen to. Um, as you know, Ogre... One of my favorite artists in the scene, he does the theme song for this show. Um, He's coming out with a new album, Calico Noir, and it's a soundtrack album. It's pretty cool. He sent it to me last year, like a year ago, and I don't know how he does this because he sat on that album for a whole year. It was going to be released by uh, another label, and then something didn't work out or whatever. And uh, it's crazy to me. Like When I have something that I've worked on, some creative thing, and, um, I don't get feedback right away. It's really hard for me to just sit there and just know that I have this thing, but I haven't really gotten the response from, uh, from, you know, the audience or whatever. And he sat on this album for a year. Like, it's insane. It's a really cool album. It's got kind of a tangerine dream vibe. Um, I think he started pre-orders at the beginning of this week, and I think it comes out closer to the end of the month. It's called Calico Noir, and here's a cool song off Calico Noir called To Catch a Killer. Catch a Killer by Ogre from Calico Noir, coming soon. So check that out. And I can't believe we missed this at the beginning of the show. <laughs> There's probably a bad time now because it's everyone's favorite segment. Um, as you all know, I like to read my junk emails. A lot of you guys throw your junk emails away, all right? Someone sends you junk email, and they've put so much work and creativity into these stupid stories, and you just toss them aside. But I don't. I love junk email. I read junk email. And now it's time to read some real junk email. Today's junk email is titled Investment Proposal. So this is what I received, an investment proposal. Hello, my name is Arthur Malta, a civil lawyer. I have a client that wished to invest her financial estate in your country. This requires a private arrangement through details of the transaction will be furnished to you once you indicate positive interest in this proposal. We are willing to offer you 15% of the total fund, an additional 10% from return on investment, ROI. Please note that this is not scam, but legitimate business offer. Thanks, yours faithfully, Arthur Malta Esquire. There's nothing better than just the last line. Please note that this is not scam. <laughs> Alright, this one is called Harold Sears Delivery Personnel from uh, HaroldSears at gmail.com I have tried to call you severally My name (laughs) I have tried to call you severally My name is Harold Sears I am a United Nation Delivery Personnel I was hired to deliver packages here in United States now I call you because your package, ATM MasterCard, is with me here at Alice International Airport Authority Texas. <laughs> <Taxis. laughs> okay, he's spelled Texas T-A-X-A-S. <laughs> In Texas, where they are requesting for ant laundry certificate to your parcel. I contacted Dr. Jim Okili, Inspector General of Finance Nigeria for it, and he told me that it will cost you just $480 to get it. Your parcel, ATM MasterCard, was examined by the authority and confirm it legal, only ant laundry certificate needed for the parcel to be released to your doorstep. Have a blessed day, Harold Sears. So, if anyone knows how to, uh how to obtain an ant laundry certificate <laughs> all right guys let's listen to another track this is uh, robot 80 with the track stay with me some vocoder vocals going on and uh, and we're going to listen to that now so this is robot 80 That was Robot 80 with Stay With Me from the album Well-Oiled Machine. So check that out. It's pretty cool. All right, guys. Let's fucking wrap this up. (laughs) We had some fun. We listened to some songs. We talked to Moondragon. I want to just finish eating my pizza pockets. So I hope you guys have a lovely week. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading if you downloaded it. Thanks for streaming if you streamed it. And if you enjoyed the show, please like, comment, send all that shit. Send me mailbags, send me tracks. Send me fucking ant Laundry certificates, man. I want it all. I need it all. All right? Anyways, hope you guys have a lovely day. And I will catch you on the flip side.
1: i <laughs>
2: the last metroid is in captivity. The galaxy is at peace.